Hello, and welcome back to Designing for Movement, the UX for Mobility podcast. I'm Dr. Julian Brinkley, your host. In today's world, the way people get around is changing rapidly. From the emergence of ride sharing and electric vehicles to autonomous vehicles and spacecraft, new technologies are fundamentally changing the way we move around our cities and beyond. I believe to understand existing mobility technologies, as well as to imagine what comes next, we must think beyond our understanding of mobility as purely getting from point A to point B, and must instead think about the experience of mobility itself. In this podcast, we will explore the design of mobility technologies with an emphasis on understanding how best to support the human user. We'll be talking to designers, researchers, engineers, and experts in the field about how they design compelling, accessible, and engaging experiences at some of the world's leading mobility companies. So whether you're an industry professional, an educator, or just someone with a passion for mobility, design, UX, and technology, this podcast is for you. Let's get into it. All right. Welcome to Designing for Movement, the UX for Mobility podcast. Joining us today is Debian Chakraborty, the user experience lead at Valtech Mobility. Debian has extensive experience in automotive UX, UX design, design thinking, and UX research from top companies like Toyota Motor Corporation, Electrobit, and Sono Motors GmbH. Welcome, Debian. How are you? How are you doing today? Thank you, Julian. I'm doing good. How about you? I am doing great. I really appreciate you taking the time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to join us on designing for movement. So let's jump right in. So it's been a few months, I believe, since you've joined Valtech Mobility. Can you share what initially drew you to that company and what your experience has been like so far? Yeah, sure. So Valtech Mobility is basically a joint venture between the Volkswagen Audi Group and Valtech, which is a design agency. And the focus is on mobility. When I was at Toyota, we did some projects with Valtech, especially in the domain of connected mobility, bringing connected services in the interface, in the infotainment system. And that's when I first came to know about them. And I was always interested in all these new stuff that they're doing in this connected mobility sphere. And, you know, when I wanted to change, then I got basically into Valtech. And yeah, that's how I came here. Gotcha. That sounds really interesting. So what is your day-to-day life like there? Like, you know, give the listeners a little bit of a snippet in terms of what you do just on a day-to-day basis and the type of things you work on. Yeah, sure. So my day-to-day, let's say, work is divided into two domains or three domains, I would say. So we have a lot of running projects with different clients, like I mentioned Audi, but, you know, other clients as well. So we are working on different projects with on different levels, some on in-car experience, some on outside the car experience, some on applications only. And I am mostly handling these projects as a UX lead. So I would basically look into the projects, give some ideas or UX directions where needed, And in some projects, really kind of work on a ground level. So that's one part of my job. The second part of my job is part of the new business team. So kind of looking into new products that we can develop or looking into new collaborations that we can have with other, let's say, OEMs or other new mobility clients. So I'm also working on that part. And the third part of my job is basically mentoring the UX team in different dimensions. So it could be on a little bit of UX research, but also in like guiding the UX members in certain domains. So that's how basically my day-to-day job is in these three different, let's say, parts. Yeah, that's really interesting. So just to make sure that I'm understanding correctly, does some of your work involve human machine interface design and that type of work? Does it touch on that at all? 
Yes, definitely. So I would say around 60 to 70% of my job would be touching on HMI design. So all the projects that we are running involves HMI design, be it in-car or outside car. And then also when I told you about the new business opportunities, right? So many times it means creating some concepts for clients or creating some concepts for a product of Valtech Mobility. And that would also involve then thinking about how to design the HMI or, for example, what the UX concept would be like, you know, for a product. Interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what are, so when you say that you are basically designing solutions for clients and you're going through a process to where you're basically, I'm assuming that involves designing prototypes or some form of mock-up in some way, shape or form, maybe something that's tangible, maybe something that's purely digital. How do you normally approach that? Like, are these physical prototypes? Are these more like, you know, ideas that are communicated in terms of designs like sketches and high fidelity pixel perfect type, you know, descriptions. What do these prototypes and mock-ups look like? So it depends again on the project or the client that we are working for. So of course, because of confidentiality, I cannot maybe name everything. But for example, for one of our clients, right? So we are doing a very quick proof of concept where we are not only working with like high fidelity designs, but it's also like developing a kind of a base software. And so we basically are trying to develop this product quickly, trying to test it out with actual users from the client, taking the feedback and then trying to basically make a very quick POC inside the car, which users can drive and test. So that's one kind of work. I would say the second kind of work is just purely prototypes. So for certain clients, when we want to pitch an idea or pitch a product, we just go for research in the beginning and then through different iterations come to like high fidelity prototypes. And then we could either show the client the prototype, a working prototype through a video that we create or through, for example, an iPad, which could represent the HMI inside the car. So yeah, there are different like kinds of prototypes or different fidelities that we are working on based on the client and based on the project. So I don't know to what degree you can actually talk about this. You know, I know working, you know, in having these conversations with a lot of people from a variety of different companies, obviously there are certain things that you can talk about and certain things that you can't talk about, right? Which I totally understand, but I'm going to go ahead and ask anyway. So what type of tools from the prototype and proof of concept development perspective, what type of tools do you use? So we've heard that some companies use QT, you have some companies using Unreal Engine. I haven't really heard of anyone using Unity, but obviously there are a variety of different tools that you can use to basically prototype. Are there any go-to tools that you all use? It, does it vary depending on the project? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I think it depends on the project and also depends on what the client wants. But for example, our basic structure or let's say way of working currently for most of the prototypes that we are doing to either show a product or user testing, for example, is using Figma or Sketch for designing and then using Protopie for prototyping, basically. And that's our very simple tools that we're using. And then, of course, for some clients, we would then also develop it quickly. And that could be based on different platforms, Android or Linux, depends on the client again. But purely from a design point of view, I would say Sketch, Figma and Protopie are like our standard tools that we are using right now for quick prototyping. Gotcha. I want to pivot a little bit and talk somewhat about, I know we kind of got a little bit deep there, you know, talking about tools and prototypes, and we'll come back to the discussion about the human machine interface, because I do want to explore that in a little bit more depth. But a lot of companies are basically striving to enhance their user experience capabilities. 
So if you look at really across the board, even in the face of the recent layoffs that have gone on, you have a lot of OEMs, a lot of original equipment manufacturers, automotive companies for listeners who are familiar with that terminology. But we basically have a lot of automotive companies that are really trying to prioritize the user experience. You know, how are the drivers or soon to be operators, when we think about autonomous vehicles, experiencing the vehicle and in-vehicle systems? What are your thoughts on UX as a unique selling point in the modern day automobile or for the modern day automobile industry? Yeah, I think UX is becoming more and more a very hot topic or a, one of the more important reasons for buyers or for users. I mean, we can see like it has risen, I would say, quite exponentially in the last few months, last few years, especially with now mobile like Android Auto and CarPlay coming in and also with the Tesla coming in and kind of bringing a very modern look and feel into the automotive UX I think nowadays it is quite important factor when our users are buying the car and it will keep on continuing to grow, you know, and not only just automotive UX, but the overall package, right? So the features, the products, the different kind of connected products that a car can provide, the ease of use, especially into the seamlessness between the different devices that as a user would use. So the mobile phone, the car, other devices. So those overall package includes not only the automotive UX, but also kind of, let's say, the seamlessness, the ease of use, the different connected products that OEM can provide. And I think these are going to be very, very important as times go by. And as you mentioned, with autonomous driving and other kinds of mobility concepts coming as well, like shared mobility, electrification already is there. So these things will make the automotive UX even more important for car buyers. So obviously there are a number of reasons why manufacturers are really prioritizing UX and you touched on a lot of those. But does this pose any challenges for automakers? Like, are there any unique challenges that really emerge out of this greater emphasis on UX? Yeah, I mean, definitely the challenges could be different for different OEMs, but I can speak from my experience, right? So the first challenge that I think is quite common across the industry is that traditionally the OEMs are manufacturers, right? And they are quite, they know how to build cars. But especially when it comes to software development, this is a new game for many OEMs. And that's why we see even now, a lot of OEMs struggling. Volkswagen is a good example right now with the system not working or having a lot of bugs. So I think that's one issue in general. So we have like the OEMs need to really quickly work on solutions, but they're not the experts in the, the softwares basically. So, but I think this is improving as time is going. You can see improvement from all OEMs. Secondly, the development cycle is also a challenge, I would say from an auto industry point of view, because when we are talking about a new car right we are really talking about five years before the car actually comes to the market so you need to like think about really starting from base concepts and you know all the platforms etc and that is a long time for a software right so what usually is happening or what i've seen from my experience is that when we start working on something it has a very large development time and by the time it hits the market it's already either obsolete or it's already like outdated and then the challenge is to how to quickly software you know do the software update via ota and i think these are challenges that the automotive industry is facing and thirdly i would say 
of course google is coming in with android or google automotive os and then nowadays a lot of other players are also picking up their game and this is creating kind of a trend which the automotive industry is quickly trying to follow and so that's why i think there's a lot of like quick solutions coming to the market without a long term thought process going behind because the consumers want it or because the competition has it we have to also do it you know that's the mindset that's usually there in the automotive oem so i think there are these three issues that i've seen from my experience but it's getting better and yeah the oems are learning how to you know improve these things so would you say that broadly automotive companies are having to become more like really their manufacturing firm so they're experts at basically building vehicles but are you basically saying that they're also going to have to become experts at software as well so they're going to have to become these kind of hybrid companies that do manufacturing and software development is that kind of where you see things evolving to definitely i mean if the oem wants to be future proof and wants to you know be in the top of the game they need to be a hybrid company because nowadays also with electrification you know the differentiating factors are reducing right so before it was like okay safety was a feature or like for example engine was a feature but now with electrification with all like kind of standardization of the autonomous driving or the safety features these are becoming less and less the differentiating factors for oem and the more and more differentiating factors are the ux that you can provide the services that you can provide and also like how do you link with other kinds of ecosystems like shared mobility or for example smart cities etc and these are the things which are becoming more and more the differentiating factors for different oems right i mean look at tesla tesla is not known for its drivability or for its quality in terms of the vehicle it's known for the software the safety systems and if you look at any new startup or any new oem like lucid or rivian to name a few even the chinese oems right so all of these are like really focusing on software as their main differentiating factor right and that's what we also see with google coming in now really opening the field for bringing in android bringing in all the play store into the car and i think every oem now needs to go towards that kind of hybrid setup where expertise in software development is equally important as manufacturing the vehicle. Yeah, that totally makes sense. It really does. So, with a lot of the just different things that automotive companies have to consider in the design and development of vehicles. When we think about UX, you know, we think about or at least I think about a lot of times the different things that we're actually able to do in the vehicle, right? And then there's also the discussion of what the in vehicle experience is going to look like when we get to higher levels of automation like level 4 or level 5 autonomous vehicles and people no longer have to monitor the roadway so they can gain or sleep or do what have you. What is your perspective on how automotive companies can basically balance the goal of providing a great user experience with other central things like safety? That's a good question. So presently, right? So presently safety is really the most important topic. Not only because it's very important, but also because it's by law, by regulation, safety is critical, right? And if you want to bring something onto the market, you need to pass these regulations, these laws. And that's why a lot of the focus in today's automotive UX in is still in like okay, how can we make an experience but not 
kind of not make it in a way that it's not safe, especially for the driver. But already we see that new, especially in the premium market, when new experiences are coming, especially in the passenger domain, right? So the new premium cars all are going towards a secondary screen for passengers, which is kind of like a bit separate from the driver where the passenger can have their own experience. We can also see now rear seat entertainment or rear seat experience coming in where you could like do other stuff than the driver. Also from the cabin point of view as well, nowadays like personalized experiences are also coming in. So you could have like a personalized experience for the front seat and a personalized experience for the rear seat. So I think already OEMs are trying to without thinking of, okay, what happens when we have level four or level five autonomous driving without going into that far, they're already trying to differentiate the experience and trying to keep the driver centric experience for the driver more safe way. And then having the opportunity for the passenger and the rear passengers to have their own experience. So that's one thing. And of course, when level four and level five eventually comes, then of course, that's a different ballgame. Because then, as you said, we don't have to think so much about the safety anymore. It's all about the holistic user experience inside the car. But you know, that's still I feel like there are a lot of concepts going on in the OEMs, but actual production, I think is still a bit far away. Another thing that is currently happening is kind of slowly, slowly trying to integrate few services or few features for example, bringing in in-car office is one thing that we see happening also with Android Auto now enabling Teams, for example, then also using voice, you know, so voice as a interaction medium is increasing or becoming more important because firstly, it is less risky than, for example, using your touchscreen while driving. And secondly, it basically then enables a user experience that the driver could still use while driving. I would say between Europe and US, the voice is much more advanced or the technologically it's in a higher state in US. I think in Europe, because of the different languages, there is still the issue of like understanding the different dialects and the different languages, but it's getting there, you know, so voice is becoming more and more important in in-car experience and, you know, giving this kind of different experience for the driver. So to follow up on that, so there are a couple of things that you mentioned that I would really like to explore a little bit more deeply. So you mentioned differentiation. So how do these automotive companies basically use UX to differentiate themselves from their competitors? Are there any strategies that you've seen be effective at helping companies differentiate or any best practices that might be important in that regard that'll help a company essentially stand out from this crowded field of competition? So, of course, not know about all the different companies from a strategy point of view. But of course, one thing that is quite, I think, common is the screen size, right? So every OEM is now going towards bigger screens or more number of screens. So first, we only had the central information display, the central HMI. Now we have the combi meter also in digital. We have also the passenger screen, as I mentioned and also maybe rear seat entertainment. So I think screen size has been a strategy for different OEMs to kind of trying to differentiate the experience. Secondly, I would say I can, of course, talk about my experience. So especially at Toyota and Lexus, it was also, you know, trying to go towards, okay, how can we move beyond just screen? So using voice, one example is using augmented reality heads up display. So that's also coming up where you could see real time things in front of you and not just see the direction or not just see the basic speed information, but also like kind of really have interactiveness on the heads up display level. So that's one thing which is there. 
other than that i mean on a software level there are a lot of things which the oems are doing less on a physical level so more on software so how easily can users can bring their profile into the car how easily can users sync their existing applications from the mobile phone to the car these kind of things every oem is trying different approaches to kind of trying to differentiate and trying to make the user experience easy for the clients So you mentioned the proliferation of touchscreen. So it seems to me and one of our guests from our first episode actually from SiriusXM was talking about this proliferation of touchscreens. So and we've done some work in my lab in that area as well and we've identified this whole movement towards bigger and a greater number of touchscreens as potentially being problematic when we look at autonomous vehicles especially from the perspective of users with disabilities. When we think about touchscreens, they can be great. I mean, they reduce the number of or potentially reduce the number of physical buttons that may need to go into a vehicle, which potentially has some benefits from a manufacturing perspective. But one of the things that we've looked at is that they can potentially be inaccessible for people who are visually impaired or people who have limited fine motor control and have difficulty identifying or accurately touching touch points. So that type of thing. Is that something that you all are considering as you're prototyping and designing for this future automobile? Is that something that you are thinking about? Yes, definitely. I think you brought up a very good point. So and this is what I also tried to mention before right so there is this kind of hype or there is this kind of trend in the industry okay bigger screens more number of screens and that's why we see that every OEM is jumping on it but i think very important point is okay is it really the best solution or is it like really solving all the problems right and as you mentioned there has to be some proper research done and i think OEMs are doing it in terms of okay what's the balance between things which could be physical in terms of interaction like buttons knobs etc and what is like digital right and of course digital or a screen would solve a lot of issues from a manufacturing point of view because first of all it's cheap secondly it can be updated quickly while a physical button being there is always there for a certain function right it's very difficult to change it afterwards but i think still there has to be a balance between physical and digital and i think some oems are doing better than others so i can of course give an example from my experience at lexus and toyota so for the new lexus system which comes up or which has just come out you can see that there is like physical buttons for the hvac so the heating ventilation so the air conditioning which is embedded or integrated into the touch screen so you have a huge touch screen 15 inch but then not having all the controls digitally you also have buttons for your crucial air condition and other kind of hvac controls and this we did a lot of user tests to see okay did it make sense to do everything digitally or did it make sense to have everything physically like in you know, a proper physical hvac control or somewhere in between and we from our user research found out that okay the best way would be to have still physical buttons but giving them a lot more flexibility by embedding them into the digital screen so that you could combine the both and you know have greater freedom because as you said like you know there are different kinds of users and even for people without any disability sometimes it becomes very difficult to use if a very simple function like increasing the volume is two steps or three steps inside the digital screen so yeah i think there has to be a balance for sure so that leads me to my next question and i think this is really closely related to what we've been talking about over the past few minutes 
So obviously you've talked about the proliferation of touchscreens. You talked a bit about voice interaction. So how voice is being used, you know, increasingly in a lot of emerging vehicles. And you can speak about these too. What do you see as the recent technological advances that have revolutionized UX in the car industry? Is it AI? Is it, you know, what are the big technological advances that are really going to make a big difference in automobiles, I would say in the next five years or so? I would say I have not seen at least, you know, like there are different, lot of different kind of technologies coming up. So you have like, of course, voice being there, touch screens being there, but you also have like gestures coming up already being there for a few years now. Now you have like assistance, like not only digital assistance in the terms of voice, but also like physical or digital assistance, like what Neo has, which would help you with not only just doing simple tasks that we usually do with voice, but also like more integrated vehicle functions. So I think there's also the in-car sensing, which is becoming more and more important, not only in terms of like UX, but also in terms of safety and regulation. So for example, you have always like monitoring of the driver of the passenger and that could lead to some personalized experiences. So one thing, for example, which I really think could be a huge game changer in the next few years is augmented heads up display. So also because, you know, hopefully in the next few years, there are more advancements in autonomous driving, which would mean that less and less the driver needs to focus on the road and more and more the driver could use the space to do different things, right? And in that context, augmented reality could really become important. So the entire windscreen could be used as some kind of interaction or some kind of interface for providing like knowledge, providing context when you are traveling through somewhere, providing knowledge in terms of navigation, etc., providing knowledge in terms of the road outside. So what's happening on the road? So I think augmented reality is really important. And to enable proper augmented reality, you also need driver monitoring and also need to see where the driver is looking, where the passenger is looking and can then personalize the experience. So for example, you're going through a road and you're looking left and then there is a building there and then since you're looking at that building, the system knows, okay, I'm looking at that building and then can give me a pop-up saying, ah, that's the new McDonald's, you know, and maybe there's an offer for 10% or 20% and that could be like, okay, wow, there's a McDonald's and there's an offer for 20% and you can like tap on it or you can use gesture or like just say, hey, I would like to order from that McDonald's or I'd like to go to that McDonald's. So, you know, having this kind of monitoring and this kind of like seamless interaction between the different interfaces would mean that the way of interaction becomes very easy for the user. So it's not like only pressing something and then pressing, pressing, pressing. It could be just looking at somewhere and just saying, I want to go there and that's it, you know, and then the car knows, okay, the person wants to go there. So I think if we could reach that kind of holistic kind of UX, then I think that's really the next big thing coming up in the next few years. But an already work is ongoing, you know, different companies, not only in the OEM side, but also, you know, like suppliers, like tier one, tier two suppliers working on any enabling this technology and it's coming in bits and parts so of course it doesn't come as a you know a final product at once so already in-car sensing or driver monitoring is becoming mandatory and then slowly slowly augmented reality heads-up displays or augmented reality windscreens are coming and then maybe the next step is that you know you could like just touch anywhere for interacting inside the car so you don't need a screen only it could be just gestures it could be just touching the physical space around you as well. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. So you touched on a number of different things, the e-commerce aspect. So how do we basically build services into the vehicle? 
that allow us to interact with the physical external environment and maybe, you know, engage in consumerism, whether that's buying things or receiving information about things in our immediate environment, points of interest that might be noteworthy. So I think that's all really interesting. I wanted to follow up on what you mentioned in terms of personalization. So here in my lab, we've been doing some work on exploring to what degree it's possible to use AI to adapt the human machine interfaces in a hypothetical autonomous vehicle. So the concept of HMI adaptation, so really borrowing something that we see a lot of in web design, so responsive web design, so the ability to basically adapt an interface. So one of the things we've been looking at is, can we use AI to make a prediction about what the specific interface needs are for users with disabilities? And then can we adapt in real time that human machine interface to meet a specific need? Is that something that you all have started to look at in terms of personalization? Is that something that you think could be potentially promising? Or are you thinking about personalization really in a different kind of way? I think that's really important. And I think that's a very good point that you bring up. So I would say until now, the kind of personalization that OEMs have been trying to do is not really personalization, but more like customization, right? So, okay, you as a user can save a profile and in the profile, you can save some settings, you know? So every time you come in the car and your profile is loaded, your settings would be loaded, right? And what I feel is that's more like customization. So that you give the user the opportunity to customize the experience to their personal needs. And I think that's what is where the OEMs are currently in the level of, you know, if you want to talk about this individual experience. The next step is, of course, like personalization, but using this kind of a machine learning or like artificial intelligence behind into, you know, like really tailoring the experience. And we can already see that happening in very small steps. So, for example, in the navigation systems right now, many of the navigation systems would use your pattern, right? So use your pattern of usage into predicting and personalizing the experience for you. So if you're driving somewhere, it would already know or it would already give you a hint or give you a suggestion based on your patterns, right? It could be, so already I know this is happening in many, many cars. Also Waze and Google, for example, they do it. So if you're driving somewhere, you know, in the morning, based on your time, it can automatically give you a route to your office, you know, you don't have to do any interaction. So this kind of smaller stages of personalization is happening already. But I think what the OEMs right now lack, but I think it's important in the coming years, is the personalization based on an overall AI or like an overall intelligent function behind, right? Not only be OEM specific, but it could be also like, you know, every user in the world, if there are data behind how, for example, a disabled person is using in-car interface, right? And if the OEM can leverage that data to create this kind of a model, then, you know, that could really help, for example, people with disability to kind of interact inside the car because the car already knows, okay, if you have this kind of disability, then the data shows and then based on the data, they can already personalize the experience for that person. So I think that's really going to come in future. I'm not very sure how much OEMs are really focusing on the AI in vehicle right now, and especially for this feature, but it is definitely a big buzz in the industry right now. And I think everybody is either working with some partners or trying to, you know, create teams which would focus on this AI machine learning in car. Great. That's really interesting. Like I say, that's an area that we work in really heavily. So so we're we're getting ready to wrap up. And I always like to conclude by basically asking a couple key questions. Who in the world of automotive UX and design 
would you most like to take the lunch if you had to pick one person? Not so sure. I mean, or you can pick a role or someone at role at a particular company if that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, maybe that's a bit easier because yeah, I mean, there are so many people. I would maybe try to catch up with you know. So maybe it's not one person, but you know, like try to like really talk and understand and like catch up with somebody who's leading the automotive domains in Google or, for example, Apple. Trying to like understand, you know, like what are their vision, like what are they really planning to do with automotive UX in terms of, you know, bringing in the OS experience, the, the Apple experience, the Android experience, and you know, what's their idea about it? Because right now it's very fragmented, right? So everybody has a smartphone, and once you plug in your smartphone, then you have like a mirroring, right? And that's more or less what 90% of the users are using. Of course, now new and new cars are coming with embedded OS, like Polestar is bringing it out, and I think. GM and Cadillac are also doing it. Renault is doing it. And then more are following. But then it's still limited to, okay, you have the central information display and that's it. What about, as I was mentioning, the holistic UX, right? What about like taking it a step further to kind of, you know, introducing everything that we spoke about, voice, gestures, augmented reality, and how does Google and Apple play a role in that in the next coming years? especially with autonomous driving. So yeah, I'd be interested to talk to them. That's great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I think this has been a really interesting conversation. I want to thank you for joining us. So we're going to go ahead and conclude. Do you have any parting thoughts before we wrap up? I just want to say that universities play a really important role in the automotive field, and especially in terms of future automotive UX. So I know there are a lot of work being done in Clemson. I have some friends and colleagues who studied there. So yeah, I just think what you're doing is really great. And so keep up the work because it's really important that the research being done on university level is somehow then translated into the OEMs, you know, and into a final product. So just a thought from my side. Well, wonderful. Well, it's been great having you and thank you to our listeners and have a great day. Thank you, Julian. That's all for today's episode for the UX for Mobility podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on the latest episodes and feel free to leave us a review to let us know what you think. And a special thanks to our guests for sharing their expertise with us and to our listeners for tuning in. Join me again next time for more exciting discussions on designing for movement, the UX for Mobility podcast.